white Christmas. White Christmas. Kevin and I actually thought we were going to have been here 20 years, and we were going to actually have our first Christmas that didn't have snow in us. We're all bummed out. One year we actually had it. You remember this family? We didn't have any. It was just like nothing. And then on the 24th, it just started coming down with that deep Rocky Mountain stuff. And it was like, it was great. Uh, my name is Mike Rosell. I'm um, the overseeing pastor. And uh, I have not been in the pulpit since October 7th. And I probably should leave for a couple months because the church is like, no. Um, we could all... Like that, um, we were out on tour. I want to say something. Um, here at Sela, uh, it's small fellowship here on uh, Summers and, and, and Second Street and Whitefish. But the ministry that we're all part of here at our home church, uh, as it spreads out not only here in our own Jerusalem, uh, but uh, in different parts of Montana and, and um, all over the United States and different parts of the world, um, it is an incredible privilege to be part of something that um, uh, a small group of people co-laboring with uh, other churches and um, other mission organizations uh, that we get to do so much. And um, so we put together a little video that we like to do when we come back um, of our, I guess, uh, would it be our fall tour yet? And um, so they're going to play that now. And we'll I know. I feel the same way. absolutely none apart from the hands of the potter. 
There's just no way around it. So I understand that those of us who are governed by God, Israel, O house of Israel, those of us that are governed by God are like clay in the potter's hands. I didn't write it. The Bible wrote it. God wrote it through the prophet Jeremiah and throughout Isaiah and, and Paul. I got a little quick story, though, I want to tell you. Um, I walked into, I was 12 years old, and I was at the Pomona County Fairgrounds, and I watched this old man on the kickball. Most of you have heard this story. And it was the first time that I actually saw a potter. And it actually just, you know, I didn't come from a long line of artists. I came from a long line of like, heathens. We were like heathens. That's all we were. We were like generational heathens. Sorry, Mom, we're born again going to heaven. But, you know, this is it. This is our heritage. Burn the back of That's right. He's telling the truth. But I'm at the Florida Cafeteria. Cap- By the way, Mom, you know they still use that little um, peg for the... Uh, for the logo at the Pomona County Fairground. We'll talk after church. <laughs> I get distracted easy. But I'm, I was at this fairground and I saw this old man on a kick wheel. And I just, I was just enthralled, man. He was just like kicking this wheel and he's making this, and a little big pot, man. I'm like, this is like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I just, and I could just, I just stood there and I was, my friends, well, let's go find a ride. I'm like, I'll go find you guys. I'm just, you know, I'm drawn into this. And, and I just, I couldn't believe it. Never seen anything like it. So when I went to high school, uh, my brother had taken me into, uh, he was a few years older, and uh, between the time I saw this potter, my brother had gone to the, uh, to cover a pot. He was taking ceramics at a, at a high school I would eventually go to. And uh, I, I went into that, and when he opened up the ceramic room, the, some people like gas. Like, I have to tell you, my wife loves the smell of diesel. So when we traveled around the country in our two of us, Pam would always get out and like, <laughs> I was, it always made me have a headache, but she's like, you know, but my smell, I just dig dirt. I love that smell of like water and mud. It just makes my hair stand up. So when I went into this ceramic studio, not knowing what it was ceramic studio, when they opened up the door, I walked into this room and it was like, oh, I was like, oh, the smell of dirt, right? So I knew when I went to high school that I was going to go take pottery. That was it. Now, again, I now can tell you the day I was born, designed, created by God to be a potter. Now, Berta, when it came out of her womb, all this, you know, she heard was, ah! But I was a potter, designed, in my mom's womb. Now, when I met my teacher, I didn't know this. His name was Mr. Hilliard, and I went, and the moment I touched clay, I could make pots. And after the second semester... I smoked him. Like I was ten times better than my professor or my teacher. And I literally was so embarrassed by telling you guys this story. I literally walked up to him and said, look, you're jealous of me. You will never ever be as good as I am in the last two semesters and you have your whole life. He looked at me and said, you know what, Mike? You're one of the most gifted men I'd ever seen touch a client. It was a gift. And you're right, I probably will never ever be able to make a pot like you. But there is something that I can do that you can't stop. And I said, what's that? You will never take ceramics at Los Altos High School. I never took ceramics at He kicked me out, rightfully so. And so I went and I learned. I found out about a place seven miles away and I rode my bike down to Hudson Adult School. 
and that's where I started taking ceramics. The interesting thing happened is, 25 years later, Clifford Hilliard came out and saw powerful ministry. Clifford Hilliard gave his life to the Lord on his deathbed. And Clifford Hilliard wanted me to have one of his pots. This is a pot that my ceramic teacher gave me. The one guy was the foolish things of his world. He wanted me to know. And his daughter called us and asked if I would want one of his pieces because he'd want me to have one. I wasn't able to go share in his memorial, so I stood in Africa on video throwing a pot in front of 700 African kids that we take care of in Uganda. And I have to share the passion and the love that I learned through this man in just two semesters. Because there's one thing that I can tell you about Cliff. He couldn't throw as well as I could. But he had a passion that was contagious. It wasn't about what you make. It's the passion that you have behind what you do. It's not what comes out. It's what goes in. And I want you to know that's what I learned. But I also want you to know that God is a God of reconciliation. And he reconciled me. Ironically, the other teacher that I had, he literally came out one morning, 30 years later, and he too came forward and received Christ. The only two scrapbook teachers I had. Why am I telling you this? Well, because 2,000 years ago, there was a baby and was born. And he was born of a virgin, Mary. And that's what we're celebrating this holiday season, the birth of Christ. God walked on earth. And along the way, in his journey, his last three and a half years, he drew men to himself by asking, hey, you want to come and be fishermen and men? Hey. And he took 12 men with him. And over those years, they got to see more miracles. The Bible says, at the time, would fill the libraries of the world. They got to see the feeding of 5,000. They got to see the feeding of 4,000. They got to see Lazarus come on out. They got to see the blind see, lame walk. Miracles after miracles after miracles. And he's still doing miracles after miracles after miracles today. Something about miracles. It's an interesting thing. They're miracles. But when God does a miracle, I want you to know it's very natural. But it is supernatural. There's a miracle that's already happened in your life here today and don't even know it. The fact that I'm standing here with that woman, she's saying, and I'm teaching, and we're still together, together, is a miracle. And the only way that I can tell you that is it is. I don't know if you believe it or not, that's not for me. But I'm telling you, it's a miracle. And those who know us before and know us now, it's a miracle. And God has done miracles in all, many of the people in this room. He continues to do miracles. So today, I want to share something about God's character. 
I want to share with you today, I want to bring with you, not a Christmas, Christmas message, but actually a Christmas message. It's a Christmas message because at Christmas we also are in a, um, a posture of doing two things. One, giving gifts and receiving gifts. Giving a gift and receiving a gift. We don't give to receive, but we give and receive during this time of year. You don't believe me, get down to the callus bone to see the parking lot down there. <laughs> giving and receiving. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave us something. He gave us his son. The son that was born of a virgin birth. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternity is in his son. And the one thing that I can tell you is Pam and I have been doing what you've watched a little bit up there. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun going back to California because our ministry started 20-some years ago with a caravan and some pots strapped to the top. And we'd show up at a church of a few hundred. Well, as that church started to grow, next time we'd come to California, we would have a truck and a trailer. Then the next time we would go, we would come with a, a van and a coat. Now, this is all over 13 years. And then we started bringing staff with us. And then the next thing you know, we started being part of a sponsorship program, then the next time we'd come through, we'd have our own sponsorship program, then the next time we'd come through, we'd have this school, because the sponsorship program that we now have, we need to put some hands and feet, because the pastors that we're doing it with need some help, so we have a school, we're in Montana, we get a property, we start training interns to go to school, then the next time I show up, I go, hey, would you like some hamburgers? <laughs> and now they're going, what? Okay, we get the pottery, the kids, and the school. Now what? You're going to bring a what? I go, yeah, we're going to bring hamburgers. What's the hamburger for? I go, here's what the hamburgers are for. I get to hire the interns that already have been on the schools to now come back and work where they can actually live in Montana, have some housing, and also be able to provide for them where they're able to put away money for a house, pay off some debt, get themselves a car, whatever it is, do some vocational training. However, we also get to come back to your church where you guys get to have the best hamburger you're ever going to have. And when you do, you have to understand that this burger has been sanctified by God. <laughs> and as you eat it and live on it, you get to feed other kids. And I'm not going to tell you this. I don't think, even though there's 3,000 calories in it, that you're going to gain any weight. You might, but I don't think <laughs> So they go, Mike, we love to have it, but we don't understand the hamburger thing. So we come on in. Honestly, you guys, this last tour was so much fun. These people were watching Potter Children, and we're going to, hey, by the way, sponsor today, get a hamburger. The lines for hamburgers, literally, were from here all the way down to the, the, you know, the school. Now, why did I tell you all this? This was already planned and designed by God for all of us to be doing what we're doing. All of us right here in Montana who stay here at Ground Zero and help us continue to do what we're doing. This was all planned out. What is God's character? Well, I didn't really know exactly where I was going to go. And honestly, this was the most amazing thing. I stuck my head into my wife's Bible study. It kills me because she has this incredible Bible study for her leadership women on Thursday night. And I want to go to it. <laughs> so I kind of hover out around outside the room and just kind of like, I hope they invite me in. You know? <laughs> so at the very end, I get invited in. <laughs> you know, when you guys laugh, you think it's funny, but you know, honestly, the girls are there going, no, you're really dead. <laughs> um, 
we are going to die with God's words. <laughs> but he said, but she said something, and it hit me, and I knew exactly where I was going to go. She was telling the girls that um, Pam and I, when we got married, we our first church that we attended together. Uh, she rededicated her life four nights after we got married. And for those you know and have seen the ministry, um, we'd only known each other three weeks. She went back to church for the first time in seven years. And in her own words, because she married Satan and she needed to get some answers. So I kind of shoved Pam back to church, but she walked in a church called Calvary Chapel close to Mesa, where the founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, planted Calvary Chapel. Or uh, that's where Calvary Chapel started, you know, during the Jesus movement. And she met Pastor Chuck, and she really didn't know him, um, but they developed an incredible relationship. And I think it all started that night because he saw a broken woman, completely and absolutely just laid out, that she had backslidden so far away from the Lord, and she ended up marrying a man who was, did not have the same conviction. She's an unbeliever. And so in all of that, um, we started attending Calvary Chapel. And Pastor Chuck ends... Every service, and this is where I want to go today, if you have your Bible, turn to Numbers 622. This is the character of God. This is God speaking to Moses of what he wants to do, and he wants Moses um, to say at the end of every teaching, every time that they gather together, uh, generally it was one time a day, but sometimes multiple times a day. And this is what the Lord is speaking to Moses. Now let me tell you that in, in the book of Numbers, throughout the whole book, um, it's one of my favorite books, and I'll tell you why. Um, again, these are Israelites. These are, these are, this is God's chosen people. Um, I want you to know that the word Israel means governed or ruled by God. So God is speaking to those who are governed and ruled by him. And in the book of Numbers, they're all wandering. This is what the book of Numbers is. They're just wandering, they're wandering, they're wandering. And I honestly, uh, after Pam rededicated her life that night, I was in church two, three times a week, but in my heart I was wandering. I was in church, but I was wandering. I always loved this book because I was a wanderer. And then I went to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale when we moved there, and all of a sudden we're going to the church, and I look at this guy, and he's got a hat, and I go, and it turns out to be Dion. I'm a wanderer. I'm a wanderer. I run around and around. Remember Dion? He, you guys are way too young. For those of us, Dave, come on, help me on that. You remember that song, right? Okay, right. Well, Dion, I'm going to Dion. Well, Dion. And now he's an old cat now. And he goes, oh, yeah, But I love that song. I'm a wanderer. And I find out in the book of Numbers, this they're doing, they're wanderers. Wandering, wandering, wandering. And God brought them to a place. And the Lord, in, in, the, in the number 6, 22 through 27, is where we're going to camp out for our Christmas service. I wanted you to see how God sees us. God of Scripture. God who sent an angel to Mary? God, in sin, came to earth to die. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted us to know his character. 
God is a God of blessing. God is a God of blessing on His people. Pastor Chuck ends every service while he's in heaven. I'm going to give it a shot, man. But it's really bad. But the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and There are six things in this scripture that I want to leave you with as we walk through. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel, governed by God. Say them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. The other night when I was at that Bible study they let me in at the very end. My wife was closing with the girls and she reminded me of something that I had forgotten and yet I had heard so many times before as I've walked through the Bible many times listening to Pastor Chuck Tate. Pastor Chuck ended up not up every morning and he would ask the Lord to bring a blessing upon him and to bring a blessing upon the church. Lord, would you bless us? Would you bless us? He came with an expectation, expecting God to bless him. Not in a, you know, ultra, you know, prosperity kind of doctrine way, but it says right here, the Lord is a God of blessing. But he also says that he promises in that blessing that he's going to keep us. Now, an interesting thing is that uh, I also want to share another verse that was in the New Testament. Because I always like, you know, backing up what was said in the Old Testament. Paul writes to us in Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, among, uh, along with him, graciously give us all things that we have? God is saying, through the Apostle Paul, he said, hey, if God is for us, who is going to stand against us? Who can stand against us? For those who serve in this ministry, they will honestly, and I believe with my whole heart, all of them, because they do and have had very close encounters and traveled with me, they know that this is not a ministry of Mike and Pam. They really do believe that we believe, and we really do believe, because we really do, that this is something that God has done. God has set in motion long before we were born. This is God's ministry. This is not my ministry. It's not, it's not the people of Salem's or the people. This is God's ministry. He just so graciously has invited us to be part of something He's doing. I'm going to lead a medical mission trip with doctors and dentists and nurses. I'm not kidding you. I don't even know if I have a high school diploma. 
Now I'm going to get to get in there because it's in another country. I get to go under those kids' teeth and just start pulling them. I get to, you know, do tracheot. I'm joking on that. You guys going to sit in your face going, oh man, I'm not going to No, but um, this is the, 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 the this is, God truly did choose the foolish things of the world to confound what? I get to leave these in phenomenal medical trips where these doctors are giving up time. I mean, they're giving up vacation time and they're taking resources and taking their kids and they're going down and they're literally, I mean, let me tell you something. I've worked so hard. We go 20 hours a day, day off, another 20, day off, and 20. And we'll see over a thousand patients. And they come back. They are lit. They cannot believe that they go, they get to use the giftings and the talents of which bring them great levels of resources and incredible um, lifestyle here where they get to give back using what they have because these kids have nothing. They've never. And right now in Guatemala, the United States and the media has not even remotely even come close to talking and to showing about the devastation that went on with that um, volcano. I don't have anywhere near the medicine I need to take. It is so hard to see people in such need. And I'm telling you, I can get to Guatemala faster than I can get to Miami. Pam and I were just there last week. Tens of thousands. Displaced. Never to go home. Those up close to the volcano. The fallout. 20 stories. Not 20 feet. 20 stories. What do you do? When the earth starts to shake, the volcano blows up like that. He found people fully petrified. Not petrified. That's it? Yeah. And I thought, I was like, oh, we're scared. No. <laughs> like, petrified? Yeah, okay. I told you guys, you're going to want me to go away for another eight weeks. I came back, I said, Dan, I'm fully healed. I'm my back. 
You go, oh, hold on. I go, no, 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 I am. And if I am, you're going to take a medical certificate. Took an MRI, put it up on the screen. Herniated disc, completely gone. You look at the other one. And he honored his commitment. And now we're here, he's called a bit. We're doing another trip, we're doing another trip. He loves it. Takes his kids. Took his son, who's going to be a national baker. Went on one trip. Came home, changed his degree. He's going to be a doctor. Why? He got to experience what it was to go on the mission field to help people who don't and have never seen a doctor. See, we take a lot for granted. But God has got a blessing. And how does he bless me? We have a personal relationship with God, but make no mistake about it, God uses people. I could never walk in the shoes of which I walk in today unless I spent seven years being discipled and trained by people. I am forever grateful. I am forever grateful to the men and women that God put in hands in my life, that spoke into our lives, walked us through some very difficult things, and put some serious challenges on the table. And let me say this to you, most of them I didn't like to hear. Why? Well, when you don't want to hear something, you're able to, like Paul says, you can reason away the fact that what they're saying to you, maybe you don't want to believe it or hear it, so you don't receive it. In these particular cases, the people that God had placed in my life, they had earned the right to do that as far as I was concerned because they had loved us. And they poured into us. But God is a God of blessing, but He uses people to bless others. And again, I have to tell you, I took a lot of hit on this last tour. I literally stood on stage and pastors took me aside and my staff that's here today that was on tour... I got to stay from the state, from the stage, and listen. This particular tour happened to be a tour in California, where we have the multiple of our churches, are very large churches. And I got to tell them how much I love, and I believe in the millennial generation, and that God has called Pam and I to sacrificially live for them. And you have to know that they're living in a culture that down there they're not seeing that as much as we are. And the reason is because in their culture down there, everyone's so busy, it's so noisy, and they've got all this technology, and all of these millennials, to their mind, are the most entitled, laziest people, period, that they've ever seen, period. They have no drive, period, and they're never going to amount to nothing, period. And I'm standing on stage saying, you guys got it wrong. What they need is they need leadership. They need passion. They need emotion. They need purpose. They need resources, and they need someone to... Give them an opportunity that's not going to tell them to go do it, but say, show up and go with me. And what you'll find is an amazing generation like no other that I've seen. Now we know that God says in every generation, to every generation, he's given to us in every generation a remnant of people. But in this particular generation, I personally am an eyewitness. I have 118 of them on staff. They're living all over the world, serving at Mach 2 with their hair on fire. And honestly, pastors, I just, one of the pastors that I'm going to be going in the first week of January, he invited me to stay at his house, and his words were, I want to sit down and pick your brain. Well, I know what he's going to pick my brain about. What do I do with the millennials? 
They're walking out of church. Well, don't let them walk out. Go get them. Give them something to do. Give them purpose and vision. And by the way, take the technology out of their hand for three weeks. That's where I get in trouble. <laughs> Not because they don't want to give it up, it's because mom and dad don't want it. So I'm starting at night for 45 and older. <laughs> <laughs> church ministry is not that I have the money, it's that I go and cast vision to hundreds of other churches and all the sponsors that they get behind what we're doing, and so I'm a responsible man as they look and I do this. I now have to go back to the people that made this investment, and I'm going to tell you they turned this property from something <coughs> of nothing into something of complete and absolute beauty in Antigua, Guatemala, and now I'm being asked to leave, I have to tell the people that made the investment. So you need to know me and Jesus are having a conversation in Guatemala. <laughs> Lord, really? Really? Seriously? That a blessing? It doesn't feel like a blessing. Lord, we've been faithful in everything you've asked us to do. I know you're in this. I know you're in it. What would you have me do? And I got a group of guys over here saying, let's raise a boatload of money and let's go to court. And I didn't have a piece of that. And as I sat with the board and I sat with men that I seek counsel from, we released the Lutherans. And we just were out in 30 days and we rented two little places and we still went on with our work down there. We brought the school up there and some of the students are here and we crammed them into a property and honestly, septic was overflowing, water didn't work, it was in the dead of winter and they all were trapped down in the basement. And I'm like, Lord, this is not what we have worked the last 15 years What are you doing? What are you doing? Not a blessing? Lord, I know your faith. And Ham went and did a book 
side and says, hey, look, I met this lady. She wants you to come out and take a look at a piece of property. And we went out and looked at a piece of property, and this couple was found themselves in a place in a position that they really wanted to move on in life and it was becoming too much of a work for them and her husband had just been diagnosed with cancer and had been in and out of the mud man and had seen the kids and saw that there was an army of people up there. Longer, longer story short, they actually uh, offered to sell us this piece of property. It was much more than we ever needed or dreamt of being part when I was sitting there at the signing, the Lord looked at me and goes, if you were down in Guatemala and I gave you this envelope and I showed you you can have this property, Whitefish Equestrian Center, or this lease property for the next 13 years, and then they're going to take it from me anyway, or you can own this one, which one would you have taken? I said, Lord, I would have taken the one. Well, of course you would Lord, did you know that that was on the table? I know it was on the table, and I know you wouldn't even have looked at this had you have won that lawsuit. Pam and I, the reason we went to Guatemala is because after we went to Guatemala, one of the girls who went through the program that we didn't know, other than the fact that she was just a Guatemala girl, and we picked up this hat for her to go. Turns out that she came up here, her parents had watched her grow in a way and a manner they hadn't even seen. It was so amazing, and we didn't know at the time that she was going through our program and she was growing and she wanted to be part of this ministry. We didn't know her dad was the largest developer of auto malls in Central America. And so Pam and I went down and we looked at a property above the property that he just bought. He's been ready to build a million dollars in the So we were in welcome and that's got ready to welcome. But to move the facility so we can start with nice. Guatemala. So here's what happens in 14 months. I lose the property and I'm wrestling with God. God bless him, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, really? God's what I'm in. Now, listen up. This is not the property. This is not about property. This is about what God is about. And sometimes when he says he'll keep you, he doesn't keep us from trials. He doesn't keep us from hurts and pains diseases. Listen, up in Montana, if it's a bad winter like we had, my neighbors that don't know the Lord and those of Pam and I, look at our snow falls off our house and breaks our fence just like it does theirs. It's in the times and the trials the Lord says, look, I'm not going to keep you from it. I'm just going to see you through it. This word keep means literally through it. I'll be with you while you walk through this. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's not going to hold us from the trial, but he will walk us through it. And on the other end, here's what I'm going to say, is a blessing. <coughs> Beyond measure. No eyes seen, no ears heard. We face unique trials as believers. Persecution, isolation, rejection from our own brothers and sisters. That's the one thing as I travel around the world. There are incredible moves of God in different parts of the world. And yet, we in this country, i got to tell you, one of, it's not a criticism, it's just concern that comes from pastors that I meet in different parts of the world. They literally actually say, do you guys not know that the rest of the world gets CNN and Fox? Guys are divided. As a country, and it's bringing great concern because the United States of America has 
been the one anchor that we could rely on the missionaries and the support and the hands and the feet. The generosity of the church in America and the church of America is following their leaders. And it's divided. By the way, the seven things that God hates is, you know, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, divisive behavior, bringing division amongst each other. We need a supernatural encouragement from God. I, I literally, my staff, I, I, I'm so glad I did this study. Uh, you know, Krista walks through with me and does a lot of the um, bullet points as, we're, as I'm walking through. And I shared with her today, I said, this study has just ministered to me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to communicate it because I feel almost like... Um, Schizophrenic, you know, because as I'm sharing, God, well, are you listening to this one? I know I am. You know, this is going to go time on. Every time I go through this really, uh, are you kidding, God, kind of moment, it's like the next day the Lord has to show up and bless me. Because I'm such the weakest among the brethren that it's like, you know, we have to bless those out because he'll fail on it. I really, I, 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 just get in there, give him something so we know that we're still in it. Then, you know, he definitely does not have the, you know, the, he doesn't have the Jeremiah hang in there kind of stuff. You know, he's not the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's not going to stand at the fire seven times. Just get in there and turn the heat off real quick. Because I, I, I feel like that's kind of who I am. But I am looking for that supernatural encouragement from God. And i got to tell you, God is always there to do that when I need it. And I will tell you, last night, I was really kind of just thinking about all of what I was going to put together. And all of a sudden, out of Pam's mouth is blessing. I go, that's the message. That's why he came. Jesus came to die. That was our blessing. What did he do? He died. What, what was the blessing in it? His blood. The blood shed on Calvary for my sins. He shed his blood. He went in a tomb, came out. And his promises are, not only am I going to give you heaven, this side of heaven, but I'm going to give you heaven. But it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be without trials. You're going to be stretched. You're going to come up with difficulties. You're going to have physical problems, financial problems. You're going to have all the things that happen. But in the midst of it, if you trust me, I'll walk you through it. And I'll keep you. Number three. Smiling God. It says he shines his face on us. We have a student down in Guatemala. His name is Max. <laughs> he died five times, you guys? Six times? On the table? He has a, he's a legend in Africa. <laughs> he has something in his heart. Honestly, I didn't know what it was when we signed him up to go. He goes, hey, by the way, you know, Max has had this, he's had 14 operations that his heart was bad when he was a little baby. And, I, and so I was going to keep him in Guatemala, bring him to Montana, and he said, it looks like you went to Africa. I said, well, Max, what about your thing in your heart? He goes, oh, I just have to plug it in every night. I'm like, Max, you know, we got surges of energy, uh, electricity down there. Sometimes electric, electricity goes out for days. I mean, how are you going to plug that thing? What do you just like have a plug? And, it, and he's like, do you think I plug in my heart to a wall? Plug it in. Goes no. I monitor so the doctors back in the states can watch my heart. Oh, okay. 
I, I, I go, this is going to sound a little Pentecostal. I almost want to start to dance. 
I mean, do you see what I mean? I'm over here wrestling with God, and all of a sudden I got this other property that that school. We're going to have mission teams coming up to Montana. They're already calling. We're going to build out that property, and we're going to have an incredible horse ministry. And then oh, the greatest desire of our lives would be really do some form of uh, school that had to do with the arts. We believe that the arts speak to people. And so now we have a gallery co-laboring with you know, this 57 uh, uh, boutique and uh, friends of ours. And, 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 and God just keeps opening up and blessing. And yes, it doesn't come without its trials. It doesn't come without all of those things. But God is a God of giving. And you know what? In that time of giving, he always, he says, this reasonable thing for us is to be able to give back as he gives us to give back to others who don't have. That's what it is. It's just this flowing of giving. And we're able to do it. And, I, and, I, and again, I'm attentive to God. And I talk to Him. And, and sometimes I don't get the answer that I want, but I get the answer that I need. That's like a stone song, isn't it? <laughs> you don't always get what you want, but you get Well, maybe that's not <laughs> It's true. Well, not, Mick's not right, but I mean, God, I mean, what are you speaking Pam, you can correct me on that one later. He's Emmanuel. I want to leave you with this. God with us. He's a God of peace. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord shines his grace upon us. He's gracious to us. When I was in Israel, when you come and go, everyone, when you greet, they say shalom. When you leave, they say shalom. Peace. 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 Jesus was born of a virgin birth. He walked on earth. Disciples 12. And in the last chapter of Matthew, his command to all of us is to go in all the world and make disciples, make more of them. Make me known, teach people about me. It's something he has commanded all of us to do or be part of, pouring into others. But he did come as a gift. And that gift from God that came to us was the one gift that was going to cost God everything. You see, the gift that he gave us was the most expensive gift that any one of us will ever receive because there was only one that could give it, and that was God. God gave his only son, and the price was high. And in that price, we were bought with a price. It was the blood of Christ. I got a real treat for you guys today. My wife developed and has had an amazing relationship with Pastor Chuckson at Calvary Chapel. 1,600 churches around the world today. For those of you who know Pastor Don, he's up to her once a month. He is the um, um, chairman of the board. Pastor Chuck is home. Uh, 21 other men oversee the rest of the Calvary's around the world. And we've been doing ministry with Pastor Don for the last 20 years. 
But Pastor Chuck was the founder. And uh, Pam was teaching uh, there in the late... Kay is still alive. I think she's in her 90s now, huh? And it's all time yeah. Um, but this was in 2004. Pam taught her ladies retreat. And Kay asked a favor of Pam if she would sing um, Pastor Chuck a holy night at the end of the service. And the two little sang a holy night together. And we found it in our archives on a four track um, video. And, uh, but they, when they burned it, is this why it happened or we, our videos just passed? They told me to say something I don't know. It's good, but it's not what it's supposed to be. The color is off. I told them, let's just tell them it's green because we chose that color for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she ended up singing this ten years in a row with Pastor Chuck. And uh, I will truly bless you. we were praying about this morning, and we start, I don't know, maybe six months in advance trying to decide who um, the Lord would like to send as a speaker. We prayed, and we prayed, and the Lord...